Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious God, once more meet us and instill in us your word, your truth, that we would be faithful followers. Guide us ever nearer to yourself and ever more deeply into your presence, that through being in your presence we might continually find your healing hand upon us, changing us and directing us more and more according to the fullness of your word. And in the midst of all of that, place us upon the rock that is Jesus, that we may faithfully grow into people who are like him. And we ask this all through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As we've been traveling here through Mark chapter 10, it's been unique to see the various encounters that have occurred here in this passage. Here in these passages, I should say, that we hear about Pharisees coming to Jesus. We hear about a rich young man coming to Jesus. We hear of James and John themselves coming to Jesus. And all of them are making requests of him. And lastly, here at the end of the chapter, we hear of a blind man named Bartimaeus coming to Jesus and making a request of him, desiring to speak with Jesus, desiring to request of Jesus what is necessary. And what's amazing is how each of these different kinds of people respond to Jesus, respond to his answers, respond to the things that he is telling them. They all respond in different kinds of ways. They all respond to the words of Jesus, but not always positively. Some walk away, some get angry, some are confused. But all of them have some kind of response to Jesus. Just as we are called to respond to Jesus every day, just as we are called to hear Jesus through his word, these people were called to hear Jesus and to listen to him. For the gospels continually confirm to us and remind us that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the one that we should listen to. Just as those words that came up on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my well-beloved Son, Listen to him or hear him. Pay attention to what he says. And that's what we see Bartimaeus doing today. We see him responding to Jesus. And Bartimaeus being who he is becomes the model disciple for us today. He's the model disciple because he sees Jesus for who he is. He responds to him when he calls. He understands what his true need is. And then he follows Jesus on the way. He sees Jesus, he responds to him, he understands his need, and he follows Jesus. Those four points are the shape of our passage and the shape of our lives this day. We are called to respond as Bartimaeus did. He was physically blind, but we spend much of our lives spiritually blind. We become confused and fall from the way, walk away from the path and do the things that we're called not to do. Because the blindness of sin overcomes us. Last week in our collect, it spoke of us receiving liberty to live in God's grace. Grant us the grace of liberty. After we cry out for mercy from our sins. 
In much the same way, that is, our lives. As Bartimaeus cries out for mercy from the thing that is oppressing him, from the thing that is keeping him from fulfilling the calling of God upon his life, from him fulfilling the calling of being the proper and right kind of Hebrew man, we too are called to recognize what is broken in us in order that we might hand it over to God and confess it and begin to find the healing that he is desiring to give to us through Jesus Christ. And so we simply move into our passage now, beginning at verse 46 of Mark chapter 10. And the first thing is that we have Bartimaeus seeing Jesus. The disciples are on their way with Jesus and a great crowd to Jerusalem for the Passover. They are traveling to Jerusalem to get there. They've come from up in Galilee and have come down and they crossed over the Jordan and went into the Transjordan area because they avoided Samaria coming down. And now they've crossed back over the Jordan and have come to Jericho. Now this isn't the same Jericho from the Old Testament. That Jericho was decimated. It was wiped out and destroyed. This is a new Jericho built a little ways away from that original Jericho. And this Jericho was beautiful. It was like the promised land. It was the winter home of many rich people. Even King Herod himself had a winter palace here. Because it was so far south, they just had beautiful weather year-round. It was a comfortable environment to live in, and so the rich would come and dwell here. And so it was a built-up city. It had many buildings and great architecture built up in it because it was such a beautiful location. And so many people wanted to go there. And so it was a bustling city, a little metropolis here outside of Jerusalem. And so this is along the path going to Jerusalem. You have to go by Jericho in order to get there. Now, I couldn't quite figure out if, if the path went directly through Jericho or if you kind of came along and had to come down to Jericho and then go back up to the path to get to Jerusalem. I couldn't figure that out. Different things were said in different places, but nonetheless, it was a city that you would stop off at on your way because guess what? When you got to Jericho, you'd come down a mountain into a valley about eight or 900 feet below sea level. And to get to Jerusalem is to then travel upwards almost 3,000 feet to get into Jerusalem from Jericho. And that was only about, I can't remember how many, it wasn't many miles, it was less than 20 miles to suddenly go from 800 feet below sea level to nearly 2,800 feet above sea level. That's an excruciatingly steep climb for such a short distance. I think I once said that's like going from here to Black Mountain in 20 miles. The difference in height between here and Black Mountain. And here they come and stop off for the day at Jericho. And as they are leaving, a blind man cries out to them, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, just in case you weren't sure what his name meant. That's all Bartimaeus means, the son of Timaeus, one of my favorite little things here in the Gospel of Mark, I think now. Bar means son of, and then Timaeus. And so he's just simply known as Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, who is also the son of Timaeus, Mark tells us. He was sitting by the roadside. He was a blind beggar, a man who was, could do nothing. He was at the bottom of the social letter, ladder because of his blindness. Because of his blindness, he couldn't work to take care of himself, and so he could do nothing but depend on the generosity of others. And so he sat there at the roadside. And what better time to be sitting at the roadside than right before Passover, when thousands upon thousands of pilgrims would be traveling through and traveling by and stopping off in Jericho before they go for their final climb. 
hoping for alms, hoping for food, hoping for little snatches of change in order to take care of himself in the coming weeks and months. A blind beggar who can't do anything but depend on what random people will give to him. But he hears that Jesus is coming. He has heard that Jesus is in the city and that he is leaving, and so he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Here you have it. He sees Jesus for who he is. He cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm sure at this point Bartimaeus had heard all the stories about Jesus. Traveling around healing people. Traveling around and teaching and putting the Pharisees and the Sadducees in their place. And he's heard the rumors that he is the Messiah. And so he begins to see Jesus for who he is, the son of David. A name that had become a messianic title there in those last few centuries before Christ was born and during that first century. Sometime in there, son of David became synonymous with Messiah. And it makes sense when you look at the whole of the Old Testament. Seeing Jesus for who he is as the son of David being the Messiah flows out of 2 Samuel 7 where God is promised to give David a house, to give him sons who would be kings and to make one of those sons an eternal king to establish a throne for him forever. The people were so impressed with this promise to David and to his sons that even the prophets began to simply speak not of the son of David reigning, but of David reigning over the people forever. The prophets begin to speak of the Messiah as being David himself in some ways. We see it in Jeremiah chapter 30 where it says, They shall serve the Lord their God and David their king whom I will raise up. In Ezekiel 34, I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. And even in Hosea 3, after the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. The name David becomes synonymous with the Messiah. David is long dead by the time Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Hosea are writing. But yet they apply his name David to the Messiah, to the king that Yahweh will raise up for his people. And so by the time it comes down to this first century, people see David and the son of David as being a messianic title. And so therefore Bartimaeus is seeing Jesus for who he is. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He cries out not once but twice even. When the people try to rebuke him, telling him to be silent, he cries out again, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, bring me your mercy. Bring me your compassion. I am in great need. I am a broken man who needs healing, he says. And only the son of David can truly bring me out of this place that I am in. Only the son of David, the Messiah, can bring the healing that I need in my whole being. He desires mercy from this son of David, this Messiah. And the people rebuke him. Isn't that so like what happens throughout the Gospels when someone comes in need? The disciples or others tell them to be quiet. Leave Jesus alone. Don't bother him. He's doing other things. We're on our way to Jerusalem for the Passover. Go away, blind man. We don't have anything to give to you. And they rebuke him and try to silence him and try to quiet him. And instead of being quiet, he cries out even louder, Son of David. He doesn't give up. 
He continues and persists in crying out to the Messiah until the Messiah responds to him. And so Jesus does respond to him. Jesus stops on the path. I imagine him turning and looking and saying, call him, call him. And the people suddenly change their tune. As soon as Jesus acknowledges him, the people start saying, oh, get up, get up, take heart, take courage. He's calling you. He wants you to come to him. This crowd that tried to silence him now tells him that Jesus has heard him. And so they tell him to come to Jesus. And what does he do? Does he keep sitting there? Does he wait until Jesus gets a little closer to him before he gets up? That's right, Eva. He comes to Jesus. He jumps up. He doesn't just stand up gently and walk over to Jesus. He leaps up. He throws off his cloak and springs up and runs to Jesus. He jumps and goes to him. He responds immediately because Jesus is answering him. Jesus is responding to him just as he knows the Messiah is supposed to respond. That as the people turn and cry out, as we heard in Isaiah there in that last verse, I will bring redemption to those who turn from their transgressions. The Redeemer will come to Zion to those who turn from their transgressions. The Messiah will come to those who recognize their need. The Messiah will bring them to himself. And so what does he do? He throws off his cloak. He throws it away and runs to Jesus. So different from the rich young man earlier in the chapter. So different from the Pharisees who come with intellectual questions trying to trap Jesus. They turn away from the Lord when he calls to them. Especially the rich young man whose riches were too great. He couldn't give up any of his riches for Jesus. And he went away gloomy and frustrated. Downcast in his face because the cost was too much when Jesus said, Give it all up and give it to the poor and come and follow me. The rich man turned away. And that was his response to Jesus. But Martimaeus, this blind beggar, who has nothing to lose except for his cloak. The one thing that he probably owned that was his, he throws it away. He jumps up from it and runs to Jesus because he understands who Jesus is. He sees Jesus despite his blindness. And he responds and goes to him, knowing that Jesus has invited him, knowing the promises of God that the Messiah would be a shepherd, and the shepherds take care of the sheep. The shepherd call the sheep to themselves. The shepherds go and bring the sheep in to the pen to take care of them. The son of David, this one who stands in David's place as a great and perfect shepherd who lives up and beyond the name of David. He calls, and Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, responds, throwing off everything. And when he gets to Jesus, he understands his true need. Jesus asked him, what do you want from me? What do you want from me in verse 51? And the blind man says to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Again, another contrast between James and John and Bartimaeus. James and John came to Jesus and said, we want you to give us whatever we ask. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do? And they ask for glory. They ask for honor. They ask to be successful in the kingdom. They ask to be at his right hand and his left hand, to be the best known and most well-known and the most favored of the disciples. 
They come to Jesus with selfish intentions of glory and riches and honor-seeking. Bartimaeus simply says to Jesus, let me recover my sight. He understands the brokenness and what he has lived with. He wants the one thing that will enable him to live his own life, that will enable him to live life according to what God has called him to do. He desires his sight. He desires to be able to see again so that he could live life, so that he could go out and work, so that he could go out and earn a living, so that he could go out and have a family. He wants to do the things that the regular Hebrew man is called to do. He wants to be able to go to the temple and offer sacrifices, to the, give sacrifices to the priest to be offered on his behalf. He wants to be within the temple grounds. He wants to follow the rules and the regulations that God has given to his people. He knew that his blindness stood in the way of that. His blindness keeps him from fulfilling everything that God has called him to do. It was the hindrance that was in the way. As soon as Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? He quickly responded, my teacher, let me recover my sight. Let me have sight that I might see. Let me have sight that I might walk. Let me have sight that I might work and do the things of God in this world. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has received the promises of God, has received the healing that I pour out upon you. You have understood and grasped the reality of what was broken in you. And by that faith, you are healed. You are made well. The word behind that has made you well is a word that's used all over the Bible. It's the Greek word sozo. And it means both spiritual salvation and physical salvation. Spiritual healing and physical healing. It means both at the same time, which makes sense because we are both spiritual and physical beings. We have spiritual maladies and we have physical maladies. And they affect one another. The spiritual affects the physical and the physical affects the spiritual. And so it makes sense that this simple Greek word would get used so widely so that this verse could easily be translated, go your way, your faith has healed you, your faith has saved you, your faith has embraced salvation that is given to you from my hand. And for a blind man, it really has saved him because now he no longer is dependent on scraps of food. He can go out and work. He can go out and do the things that God calls him to do and care for himself, and fulfill what the law tells him to do. He can go forward and do all that God has called him to do now because faith has saved him. Faith has received the promises of the Messiah, of the son of David, who has had mercy on him. For it is a mercy to receive his sight in this moment, and to be driven forward, to be led forward, to be let, released into the world to go and serve and do the things that God calls him to do. That is what he desires. And the sight is the hindrance. The lack of sight is the hindrance. And with sight, he can move forward. Move forward depending on God in a new and glorious way. And it's not every day that someone gets healed from blindness, not even in the Gospels. Jesus only traveled in a small area where he did healings, where he did teachings, where he performed miracles. He didn't travel throughout the world. If you think about it, he actually existed in a very tiny little space 
for 30 years and for three years of ministry. He traveled very little when it compared to the whole of even the Roman world or even the whole world. And so it's a reminder that as we walk out in faith, as we trust in Jesus, that the precise healing we're seeking doesn't always fully happen immediately. It begins a process of healing as we are healed spiritually from our sins and our deadness and our blindness inwardly. It works its way out. Here for Bartimaeus, the new creation of the new physical world that God is bringing into this world through Jesus breaks in on him. And he has healing in the immediate way. But healing is coming no matter what because the new world is being made in Jesus. Through his death and resurrection, a new world is coming. A renewed world. Where the physical brokenness as well as the spiritual brokenness that exists amongst us, within us, and around us will be wiped out. Because all things will be made new because of Jesus. And between now and then, there will be inbreakings of this new creation into our lives as we find spiritual and physical healing as we walk this path. We'll have moments where we see it break in to the here and now, and we get to experience and feel and see and touch it. But it doesn't always work out that way. But nonetheless, we continue forward in faithfulness, and that's what we see at the very end here. Instead of going his own way, he immediately recovered his sight and followed Jesus on the way. He doesn't abandon Jesus. He walks with Jesus. He walks toward Jerusalem, toward that triumphal entry, toward that crucifixion that Jesus is about to experience in just a week from now in this gospel. Jesus is already on the way, and he's inviting others on that way as he travels. He's already created a great crowd of people with him as other pilgrims are going to Jerusalem, some because he is and others because they always go. But it reminds me of what John the Baptist cried out. He cried out for the way to be prepared for the Messiah there at the beginning of Mark's gospel, picking up the words of the Old Testament, prepare the way for the Lord. And the people went out and got baptized for repentance, to receive forgiveness in preparation to be cleansed as the Messiah comes to deal with the foundational issues of sin in their lives, to deal with the foundational brokenness of this whole world. And Jesus has been trotting that path, trotting that way toward Jerusalem now, where he will be crucified for the sins of the world. And now St. Mark tells us that Bartimaeus joins Jesus and his disciples on the way. He follows Jesus to Jerusalem. There's a sense that this is the completion of John's crying for the preparation of the way. For the way is leading to Jerusalem and the triumphal entry. And through the triumphal entry to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. The way is to the cross and through the cross and toward a new kind of life. And that is what Bartimaeus was seeking and seeking healing from his loss of eyesight, from his lack of eyesight. He identified the spiritual brokenness within him and that it stemmed from that lack of eyesight. It was the thing that kept him from doing the very things that God desired him to do. And we likewise have to step back into our own lives. Sometimes it's easy to identify that spot of spiritual blindness. But a lot of times it isn't. We have to spend some time letting the Lord look at us, letting the Lord dig down into us, letting the Lord question us, 
What do you want me to do for you? And thinking through how to answer that question, what do I need of the Lord? What is the spot of brokenness that exists deep down, that sinful thing that keeps dragging me away, that keeps blinding me to the work of the Lord, that keeps blinding me from receiving healing? What is that thing that I might confess it, that I might identify it, that I might remove that mask of shame, that mask of guilt, that mask that hides me from the Lord? All these people who came to Jesus throughout this chapter all had things that were dragging them away from Jesus. The Pharisees merely wanted to trap him into condemnation with a question. The rich young man, though seeking to know how to inherit eternal life, wanted to do it on his own terms. As opposed to following Jesus, James and John, who are following Jesus, are seeking after glory and honor for their own good and creating bitterness and hostility amongst the disciples and completely missing the point of all of Jesus' teaching throughout their time with him. And then we come to blind Bartimaeus, who sees the one thing that he needs, and that's healing from his blindness so that he can fulfill the callings of God in his life. And that is what we are called to do today, to listen, to hear Jesus, to hear his question, what do you want me to do for you? And to consider and ponder and meditate on that question. Consider and meditate what it is that we need him to do for us today. Unlike Bartimaeus, no one is holding us back. There are none telling us to be quiet. And Jesus calls us to himself now. What is the true need that you have? What's the true need that I have right now? Think about it and respond to Jesus today. He is ready and able. He will bring healing to your innermost being. He will work inwardly, and it will come out to your outermost being with time. For all who come in faith, he will bring healing, because faith receives, and faith is already his gift to us to begin with. Faith is that foundational gift that can receive all of the other blessings he wants to give to us. He gives us faith that we might receive what Christ has brought to us. And so look to Jesus. May we receive his work for us, that work that he is doing now, that work that he is working deep down in us and calling to us, what do you want me to do? As he's helping us to identify our spiritual blindness, that we might confess it and find healing slowly but surely. And through that healing, may we become like Bartimaeus who then goes and follows Jesus toward the cross to die with Jesus, so to speak who leaps at the chance to speak to Jesus when he calls to us, who abandons everything to find Jesus on the way and to follow him through that way and to find complete and total healing at the end. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen.